are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. Are you like checking my volume? I am. I'm checking volume. How's this? Or do you want me to be like this? Huh? Is that good? <laughs> Let me yep. tell you all about my life. Fine. Did she at least tell you the questions? I sure uh, there's, did. There's three general questions that... Um, we'll get around to it. <laughs> I have faith in you. I have faith in Jesus. He's... Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's the right answer. You could say that for all of the yeah, questions. Sure. You might have to, again, expound on those. You have hobbies? Uh, Oh, you're in grad school? Yeah. At? Youngstown State University. For? English literature. I have an English literature. Do you? Mm Mm-hmm. Secondary education. That's what my degree is. Do you ever listen to Armchair Expert? I don't really listen to podcasts. I'm a bad auditory learner. I don't listen to podcasts either. Is that Dax Shepard? Yeah. But they just interviewed George Saunders. Have you read Lincoln and the Bardo? No, do I do this I, for me. I own it, but <gasps> all right, it's... this summer when you get a chance. But they mm. interviewed him. I the Bardo it. isn't like it's like the Buddhist version of purgatory. Yeah, mm. interesting. Cool. <laughs> Hobbies? Not really. I mean, I suppose I read books sometimes, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a hobby reader. You live in Columbiana? I do. Do you walk for fun? Not I see you walking around sometimes. Not for fun. Okay. I like to walk in the graveyard and contemplate my mortality. Oh, then Lincoln and the Bardo is definitely for you. That's usually what I read Dostoevsky for. Mm, He'd be good. I just read a fabulous article in the Atlantic today from Tim Keller Mm. discussing mortality. He has cancer. Someday he'll die. (laughs) He was discussing that. And I will too. Yeah. But people don't like to think about that. I feel like he's a good five wing four. So this is going to be fun. What is that? Oh, don't get me started on these stupid personality tests. (laughs) I think it's just helpful. Well, people try to like. I will not pigeonhole you in any way, shape or form. But I will direct Beth to. People have tried. People have tried. Pigeonhole you? No, just like do things. Like be like, you're an Enneagram this. And I'm just like, it all seems like nonsense. Hmm. How long have you been involved with the upper room? Um, on uh, your own. <laughs> off, off, I don't know. How long have I been here? Are you? Are we actually like Everyone recording Everyone looks now? at me for date questions, and I just will again say, Greg's not here right now. Are we actually recording now? Is that like what's happening? Yeah. We yeah. didn't start yet, though. I record everything. Chris oh my says, gosh. record. I feel violated. Oh, I should have let you know, but I didn't. Yeah, well. I did before because okay. we got to chatting before you were here. Because I feel like huh? the upper room. Convenience. And I like Chris and Kate a lot. Oh. I did kind of want to hear. The same thing. <laughs> I was thinking about discussing that possibly in the podcast. What's that? How much I like you guys? No. Just discussing that. I appreciate the people at the upper room who wouldn't necessarily adhere to maybe everything, but come because convenience is true, but also because of relational reasons. 
that means a lot to me. Sure. Well, I mean, I think there's a generous orthodoxy at the upper room in yeah. that everybody doesn't have to believe the exact same thing as long as we, like, adhere to, like, some core kind of creedal, yeah. you know, kind of things. Yes. Which is cool. Commence the editing. <laughs> All right. I don't know, a couple years, two years, three years, but like with like sometimes a three to five month hi- hiatus in between. But he comes back. But I always come back. Yeah. I'm inherently just not relational. Like I'm like, I'm not a social person. I don't want you to talk to me after church. Yes, exactly. Well, but that's kind of rude. Like, I don't, don't think that's rude at all. I think that people would be much better for knowing other people's boundaries. Nah, I'll probably just say I have nothing, nothing else to add. Then I'll just move this conversation to the end. All of this? Yeah. Do you do whatever you got to do? <laughs> Have you learned how to do that? No. <clears throat> I was just trying to be threatening. <laughs> I don't know really. I don't think it worked. I don't know how to do that, but Chris does. Do your thing. All right. All right. Deal. Welcome, Shine Podcast Hello. listeners. It's Bethy. It's Katie. Oh, and we're here you. with the distinguished Barry today. Barry Kemple is our guest that we are shining the spotlight nice on. Sounded. That sounds very nice. It sounds very nice. <laughs> a little so contrived, but I liked it. That was so smooth. Barry was born and raised in Columbiana, Ohio. He is a Columbiana Clipper, class of 19... Oh, 2004. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Class of 2004. I think it was at Heartland in the 90s. He was I a am. Heartland Lion for middle school and then became a mm-hmm. Columbiana Clipper for high school. Took some time off after school and worked for his family jewelry shop and then got into retail and decided to go to college when he was 27. He got the bug to teach. And so he crammed in a Bachelor of Science in Literary Integrated Language. I'm an English teacher. (laughs) A BS in Education Integrated Language Arts, a.k.a. English teacher. Mm. In two and a half years at YSU. That's amazing. Teaching ever since he graduated. He's now a teacher at Crestview High School. He's True. also the girls soccer head coach. Did some time coaching with the boys and some other teams as well. So how many years have you coached? Over 10 at I think four or five different schools. So he's an expert at soccer coaching right now. He is getting his graduate degree in literary arts at YSU. He's been a part of the upper room for the past two to three years, and he comes for convenience and because he likes Kate and Chris. So, <laughs> Largely. And listen, just because he's on this podcast doesn't mean he wants to talk to anybody after church. <laughs> That's also so this largely is, true. Yeah. This is all you get to know about him. So <laughs> he likes to hike and backpack in his spare time. Which is rare. That is also true. He doesn't have much spare time. Because he's coaching and going to school and teaching and grading papers. And so we're so honored to have you here today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming. I feel grateful for that. Well, that's that's very nice. I think honored is a strong word, but I'm over here like nodding vigorously. Um, (laughs) You're like, you bet you're honored. (laughs) Well, no, I'm not just about all the other things that have been said. So, (laughs) Well, we're glad to have you here. I told Kate uh, before we started that there should probably be some disclaimers at the beginning of this that this might not be edifying or positive for everybody who listens to it. So, like, proceed at your. I'm going to try not to be controversial. Full of caution. I can't wait to talk about controversial. And that's probably overselling it, like, big time. Possibly offensive things. So, tell us, Barry, who or what lit you up? Who or what turned your light on? I definitely don't have a drastic story as I grew up in this church. I mean, I think most people probably know my grandparents or like at least my grandma and my Uncle Jeff. We should totally um, have introduced him that, that way. Yeah. LMA. I mean, LMA is a, a saint. 
a real peach of a woman. Uh, she probably won't listen to this because, you know. But yeah, so like I mean, I grew up in the church. I don't really necessarily know if there was like that like one kind of like epiphanic moment where it's just kind of like, aha, this Jesus guy. But I mean, I think like in our 20s, we all wrestle and go through a lot of different things. I don't know. I, I hate to use the word like phases or things like that. I, I don't know. I think the answer is yes. So do you feel like you went to church or raised in the church and you just continued in that Jesus is a person I connect and kind of keep with that? Or did you feel like, I mean, we always joke around because you haven't listened to the podcast, but we joke around that we had a falling out, kind of this idea where you kind of lose Jesus for a little while, ending up doing your own thing, and then kind of having this realization that that was the truth and head back in that direction. You don't feel like that was ever a thing for you. I mean, I think anybody who's honest with themselves has uh, periods, moments of doubt or wrestling or you grow in your faith or how you think or process the idea of the Godhead or religion or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's all gray to me. I mean, like, it's all, like, I, I don't think I have these, like, sharply demarcated kind of periods in my life like where moments. I'm just kind of like, oh, hey, this, I was a believer and then I wasn't a believer and now I'm a believer again. And yeah, I don't necessarily think that's how I think about myself or my past. I think knowing you a little bit, you tend towards the cerebral mm. rather than the experiential Sure. I think that's probably And so fair. it kind of reminds me, Chris, in that way where it wasn't necessarily, you know, these huge moments or these experiential, ah, but that he processed through any doubts that he might have had. And then after walking through those doubts, decided he came to a conclusion that this is right. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if I've ever had like any specific intellectual kind of doubts. I mean, I think for me... Especially in my 20s, as, as I started just becoming more invested in the way that I thought about God. I think there's value in the story. Like, I definitely don't think about Christianity or God or religion or anything like this. Um, I hate that religions become like a bad word, by the way. But I don't think that I look at it in this black and white sense anymore. Like, I look at it as a story, and I think that I've come to view Christianity just as a better story than other stories. At some point, I think maybe when I was younger, growing up in the faith, it was kind of like, hey, I raised my hand and I said this prayer and that was lovely and fine and I had fire insurance and I didn't, you know, <laughs> want to go to hell or, you know, do bad things. And now that's not really how I view things anymore. So, but that was a gradual process. I don't think there was ever a time where the faucet wasn't proverbially running, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's just gone to the place where maybe the way that I look at it has just matured. So, mm -hmm. if, so if we're going to go back to the light metaphor the dimmer switch is just kind of turned up mm -hmm. over the course of time rather than anything else. Or maybe it's turned down. I don't know. Maybe because I don't see things as black and white as I used to. The light's still on, but it might just look different or the room looks different maybe to me than it did when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you've had people to help you with that? Or that's just been something you've done on your own? Well, I don't think we do anything like on our own. I mean, I think there's been books and conversations and things like that, but I don't think there's like a specific person Besides Chris Holm, who's a fantastic preacher. Aww. Um, I like you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I think there's been like books and, you know, conversations and just generally people in life that I've come across. But I don't think there's been, again, that one conversation or that one person or that one pastor. It's usually the opposite proves true. The people in our lives that are just like, oh, maybe I don't want to do that. 
anymore or don't want to go to that church or don't want to, yeah, don't want to come across that, that type of person anymore. Bad examples, I think are more abundant than really, really good ones. But I think there's enough of like the decent conversations that like keep on just kind of slowly ushering you in the, in the right way, Mm -hmm. or at least ushering me. How would you define your relationship with Jesus? Well, I think Jesus is the answer to that like great story question. What like what does it mean to be a, a part of a great story? And I think if we look at the Christ that we see as revealed to us in the Bible, I think Jesus functions as that story that we're supposed to like walk into, like and be a part of that that story and that tradition that he usher in on this earth. So you love stories because you're <laughs> I, I do like stories. Good ones. There's a lot of bad stories but I like good stories. What do you like about the story of Jesus? I think there's something to be said for that it doesn't look like other stories. I mean, I think there's something about the Christian tradition. Jesus takes all of our presuppositions about how life should work and turns them upside down. It doesn't make any sense. I I mean, I hate that like Christians and especially like in apologetics and all polemic kind of like writings try to make sense of the Christian tradition, like kind of like, oh, hey, become a a Christian, like, or like my systematic theology is better than your systematic theology. And let me explain to you why. I think that's foolish because Christianity doesn't make any sense. It's the upside down gospel. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the upside down kingdom. It does not make a lick of sense. And that I think gives it actually more credence. That's what I like about Jesus. I mean, I think that's more in line with like the Jewish tradition too, is like, I think Christianity brings up more questions than answers. And again, going back to this idea of the light or the dimness or like the gray that comes out of being a Christian, there's nuance there in the person of Jesus. So yes, I think I'm trying to be diplomatic in how I answer this, but yes, I think that there's precepts and there's, I I do think that there's a religion to be found in Christianity. But I think in the stories that we see in Jesus, it challenges a lot of our notions about like what it means to live, what it means to be a citizen of a nation or to participate in an economy. And that's why I think it's good. And to the extent that something can be true, capital T true. That was great. I appreciate Mm -hmm. all those thoughts. Okay, next question. What are you passionate about? She's going to ask you in a different way in just a minute. Oh, great. Um, (laughs) What lights you up, Barry? Not much. Oh, my God. The dimmer switch has been... Not not much. Um, And I can't really take any credit for this, or I don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm typically pretty even keel, except for when I watch soccer. So usually if I don't come to church on Sunday, it's because I'm at home watching soccer. I don't think that's, again, a good thing or a bad thing. It's just what I do. And that can kind of get me fired up or excited or something. So soccer, sometimes books... Well, you Sometimes coached, a good movie. You coached boys soccer for how many years? I've coached boys soccer for probably seven or eight years. And then oh, you I, became the head coach of the girls soccer team. I love coaching the girls soccer team. Tell us what's different between coaching girls and boys. Uh, girls are better than boys, generally speaking, in my experience as a teacher at and as a coach. Soccer or just as, human, as humans, as, as human beings, largely, uh, and they're not as loud. Teenage boys are extremely noisy, and I I like that with coaching girls, you get to build them up, whereas with boys, you have to cut them down. Boys always think that they're better than they are, and like girls, you have to basically be like, no, have courage, go and show some impetus on the field, whereas boys are just kind of like, you probably shouldn't have done six step overs, just pass the ball, and don't be adult. 
So <laughs> never a need for confidence. Well, you inherited a team that had four different coaches in four different years. I think it was five and three or five. It's something crazy. So what have you learned about yourself from coaching Ooh, I like the that. girls soccer team? Nothing much. I mean, in particularly, I mean, like just that I enjoy coaching girls. I think with my temperament, it just makes sense too. I don't like to yell. I'm fairly quiet and it works. I'm, I'm very reflective of myself. I don't think there's anything particularly that I've learned new, but it just um, seems like it clicks. So you said you got the education bug, the teaching bug that made you want to go to college after you had worked in the marketplace for many years. How did you know you had the teaching bug? I think just over the course of my life, I enjoyed talking with people about things on which I was knowledgeable. I don't really, I've never really cared about money, which is good because I chose to be a teacher later in life. And that would be a horrible life decision if I was motivated by money. Like I was invested in my own education. And then I think that was a nice stepping stone to being invested in the education of other people. And I think critical thinking is something that unfortunately is very lacking in our just mm -hmm. culture and society. And I think whether it's through the study of language or the study of literature, that those two things can be like really good vehicles for teaching critical thinking. Um, and what better way to do that than with young people where they're not only just more impressionable, but need that, you know, hopefully to take into their lives and make good decisions after they're under my purview. Do you have the freshmen or the seniors or all uh, of them? Seniors in the AP classes. So I teach just seniors and then uh, two sections of different advanced placement classes. Oh, my heart. Much like you did, Kate. I know. <laughs> Those were the days. I miss that. Isn't that a Stephen Curtis Chapman song? Oh. Where the blind lead the blind. You know what I'm talking about? Any oh Stephen Curtis gosh. Chapman's Is friend? that a stab at me? No. It's like that's my youth. <laughs> that would be our youth. We probably listened to that on the way to like oh Real Life gosh. Christian Academy. Yeah. This is great. It's good stuff. I feel like we need critical thinking classes. I mean, I appreciate that you do it in the high school with students, but I would so agree with you that the need of critical thinking. In the church? Everywhere. Yeah, sure. I don't mean in this church. I just mean the church, capital C church. <laughs> right. As, Everybody as here, I'm sure, thinks very critically, very well, all the time. <laughs> Everyone, everywhere. I appreciate that because when you're discussing even the way you think about Jesus, the way you think about his story, the way that you think about... Did you say his story or history? Because that was really like blended together there. <laughs> I really pulled that in. <laughs> I meant to say his story. Okay. Good, because oh, I think I more don't... about his story than history. Right. So can, thank you. But you were saying the idea that it becomes gray rather than black and white. Just the idea that Jesus as a person, Christianity as a whole, should play into, you were saying, the way we live, economics. We should be using his story, Jesus as a person, and our critical thinking through that to affect everything we do. And it's upside down. But it's the right way to think about things, and we don't do it enough. Well, I'm like, in, Christianity is an Eastern religion, and we've run with it as a Western, like, Hellenistic thing for such a long time that I'm trying to just not be too incendiary. But, like, I think a lot of evangelical Christianity is an adventure in missing the point. I mean, I just, I don't think the way that we think about religion correctly, largely. And the funny thing is, is that we're critical but we just refuse to think critically. Well, sure. Like, I'm like, I, I don't presume that I have any of the answers. Like, I don't 
what do I don't know, but I think there's value in the question. And I think there's value in think, and that's why I, I found, cause I think there was a trap maybe in my twenties of like thinking more systematically about like, Hey, let's hear all the precepts and this is how this logically makes sense and going through all the apologetics and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think that's why I find more value in thinking about it as a story because it's not a, if we're telling a story and if we're living in that story, then it's more about that than about I'm right and you're wrong. And I was just reading today, Thomas Aquinas was... Catholic. Thank you. But he was also, <laughs> in the midst of her writing, Summa Theologica, or really just to say what you've said, you know, to put forth, you know, all of his statements, this is exactly what we believe, the, the summary of apologetics or, or theology, and he stopped writing at the very end, or I don't know how far along he was, but reading about that, because he said... I had an experience. I will not finish. And the experience is what changed everything. And it's not about what you're saying, you know, systematically ordering and we believe this, 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 and this. He had an experience and said, that's totally missing the point. And essentially saying, it's about Jesus. It's about the story and not the stuff that we... Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. I'm like, because I, I read Summa Theologica a long time ago when I thought that was like the thing to do. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, and it's. I don't think that there's that there aren't precepts, that there aren't like things that we should basically Definitely. say. Like, I mean, like there's. I think there's realms of things, but I just think that those realms are a lot smaller than we like to believe. We got me because it's we we like to put God in a box. We like to put our political thinking in a box. We like to put like our economic practices in boxes, and all these boxes are very small and myopic. And I just try not to put God in that box. You know, I think that the tent's bigger. I think God's bigger. I think the story's bigger and better than like what I was brought up in. I mean, cause like the eighties and nineties were like weird and like things are weird now. I mean, like people are just weird mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's cool. I'm like, I'm, I'm super weird. I just try to be weird in a different way, I suppose, <laughs> which is kind of weird. <laughs> I feel like I appreciate Barry so much in that he is different, but wonderful. You know, he is great because if you ever want to have a conversation, oh, I'm going to get into trouble now. Oh, if you ever want to get into a conversation, find Barry because he is a critical thinker and he has read widely and he does care about people and he loves Jesus. He's just different in a way that I appreciate. I think this this medium is just very problematic for me. I mean, because like... It, it comes off like, one, I don't like that I have a microphone in front of my face. <laughs> it's awkward. It is very awkward. <laughs> and you say something and then you look at me and it's just like, oh, yeah. Like, and you're talking talking about me in a very abstract way. Why well, I was um, looking at Beth. I'll talk uh, about you like you're not here. Please do. That's, that's how, kind Kate, of how I feel like. tell me about yeah. Barry. <laughs> Kate, how does Barry let his light shine? Ooh. Oh, you're probably much better at answering that, that than I am. So please, Kate, how do I? You can shake your head yes or no if you agree. And I will, I'll narrate it. <laughs> He coldly squints his eyes as he, as he patiently waits for her response. Here's what I appreciate about Barry. I feel like Barry is a great teacher, and I don't know any of his students, but I'm sure that they appreciate and love him very much. Jared Kalina was a student of mine. Oh, he was? Yeah. I'll ask him how. Oh, you had him when he was a senior. I did. I'll ask him about that. Because Jordan only had you as a coach. It's true. You weren't teaching at Crestview then. But I, I love the way that you talk about teaching. I love the way that you talk about pushing your students. And I do appreciate very much that you instill a lot of things that I think are really important, i.e. critical thinking, thinking for yourself 
I think there is something to critical thinking, but I think there's also something to being able to think about something on your own. That's which the I hope. Feel is so lacking. I think Barry shines around his guy friends. Do I? I think you do. I appreciate the way that you push Jonathan and the time that you spend with them, even though you're a really busy guy. I feel like you give your time to people really graciously because you are definitely one of the more busy people that I know. You just give your time to people. You're very gracious about that. And you're willing to push. You're willing to push people. And I also appreciate that. That's a good way to let your light shine. By pushing people. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what good mentors do. And even in friendships and relationships, you don't even have to call it mentoring. But I feel like that's what good relationships do. Push. There's value in being disruptive. And some people do that really badly. It's important to be disrupt to, disruptive to just normal modes of thinking. And not to like push them to like to what you were saying about like ultimately like the conclusions that people come to even really about Christianity or anything like that, but challenging preconceived notions about what Christianity is or what literature is or what their politics should be. But like challenging, why do you believe what you believe? Mm -hmm. Have you had people in your life that have pushed you to think that way? Not really. Uh, Maybe Jonathan a little bit. Like I think Jonathan is, uh, Jonathan thrives, I think on that. I never look to burst any bubbles, but I do like to poke a, I like to poke people's bubbles. But there's usually intentionality behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a good crew of friends. I, but I do it for myself. I like I'm very self-reflective, critical of me, you know. So I think that's I'm my biggest critic and biggest fan. And like, I challenge myself to be better. Who in your life has been very influential to you? We'll just say my grandma. LMA. LMA. Yeah, she's 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 influential. She's she's always been very supportive of me. But I don't know. I don't necessarily even know that I think about things that way. I'm mean, like, there's been obviously positive influences in my life. I was really close with my old grandfather-in-law, uh, Ed. Uh, I mean, he he was a he's a great solid dude. I'm mean, like, there's people that have been around in my life that have been like good solid people. But I don't necessarily know that they've pushed me to become one way or another. I don't know if this is necessarily how Barry would shine, but I think this is a good example of Barry as a person. You were saying you recognize this in soccer. You're working with girls and it's like, you can do this. You take on more of this encouraging role than you would with the guys because you feel like oftentimes you have to put a lid on it because there's so much confidence. Unfounded confidence. Unfounded confidence. (laughs) High egos. That's something that I really appreciate about Barry is that he's a confident guy, but not ego-driven, overly confident. And I'll give you an example. At one point, he had the opportunity to teach overseas. Where were you going to? Um, I had two different offers, but I think when you and I talked, was one was in Dubai and then one, the other one was in South Korea. Okay. So he was considering whether to stay in the States. And the conversation that we had at one point was, do I head to Dubai? Here's what I appreciated about Barry. He called me on the phone and said, hey, can we talk about this? Can we just process some thoughts? Do you have any ideas? And I'm talking on the phone with Barry and we're having this conversation. I hope you don't mind me giving this example. Do I do it? But we're talking on the phone. If I go to Dubai, if I don't. And... I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure, other than Jonathan and Chris, 
if I have ever gotten another phone call from a guy saying, you have any thoughts about this? And not necessarily saying, oh, his light shines so bright in that way. But you get an idea about how Barry lives, which is confident, but also humble in the idea that he seeks out other people's thoughts and opinions. He even, because some men have difficulty with this, even acknowledging that there's leadership in me. Take that, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, because I called you and I didn't call Chris. That was a humble move and not something that you had to do. Thanks. I value your opinion. I appreciate that. So, Last question. Make is, it good, Barry. This, this has all been very stressful this for is, me. Well, you're at the very end. Last question. Is there anything that you'd like to share with us? It's random. It doesn't have to do anything serious. It can be totally random. Michael S. Talk talked about a squirrel he's been feeding. So it's not relegated to like small fowl or mammals. Relegated to or... nothing. Do you eat breakfast? Almost never. You pack a lunch? I drink like a meal replacement shake for lunch. Do you cook dinner? Sometimes. Meal replacement shake? Yeah, it teaches me to value, like I love food. So like, and I'm usually really busy at school. So like I don't take a full lunch down in 30 seconds and I can go about my business. But then it also gives me an excuse to like live like a 12 year old in the way that like the rest of my diet is. Are you a foodie? (laughs) uh, I just like pizza. I like sushi. Like, I like good sushi and good Asian food, I think, is valuable to me. Where's your go-to place for Asian? Around here. <laughs> I mean, like, I miss our Chiang Thai Sundays. Chiang Thai um, lunches? Ch- uh, Chiang Thai lunches. Um, my oh. favorite place of all time, so probably the uh, it's a, a big hole in my heart, is the Tokyo House, uh, south side of Youngstown. I ate there for, like, 30 years. R.I.P. Eyes to the sky. They closed down a couple years ago, so that's a bummer. Well, we appreciate you coming on and oh. talking to us. I know this has been torture for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's well, going to make a great podcast. It's, I'm excited. I begrudgingly did this, but you've been very accommodating hosts. Thank you. <laughs> and I mean that sincerely. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Woo-woo. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.